Greetings, everybody. This is Golf Guide podcast host Kyle Serlo, uh, here to let you guys know that this episode of the podcast is proudly presented to you by Pacific Coast Golf Guide, uh, and especially Volume 23 of Pacific Coast Golf Guide magazine, which is available now. Uh, however, due to the ongoing pandemic taking place across the world, uh, we have been unable to deliver uh, the magazine to the 1,400 golf courses uh, where it's normally available across the West Coast. Um, but because of that, uh, we're using it as an opportunity to try and raise some money for a couple of organizations that are in need. Uh, the first being Glen Eagles Golf Course in San Francisco, which uh, has had to close due to the shelter-in-place orders in California, as well as uh, the Bandon Caddy Relief Fund, um, which is going to provide you know funds to the caddies up abandoned who are without work right now uh, for the same reason that Glen Eagles is not able to keep their doors open. So um, if you go to golfguide.net, um, or you can also go to all of Golf Guide's social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, there's links posted at the top of all of them. Um, right now, we're just basically asking for a $5 donation through the Golf Guide website. And if you do that, we will send that money directly to those two organizations I mentioned, and then we will mail you a copy of the magazine. Um, you know, not not the best case scenario, but, uh, you know, we're trying try to make the best out of a bad situation. So if you can, um, w- would love to have you guys order a copy of the magazine. That way we can get it out to you. Some really fun, cool articles uh, in this year's magazine that uh, I'm excited to share and, and have you guys read. So check it out at golfguide.net. And, uh, you know, once, once the world back opens back up again, we will be sure to uh, get that magazine back out to you. All right. Without any further delay, uh, really excited about the first episode of the Golf Rewatch Party with my good friend, Andy Fertig. Um, this is a doozy, folks. It was supposed to be 45 minutes. It went almost two hours. What can I say? <laughs> so without any further ado, let's get to it here on the Golf Guide Podcast. Occasionally in sports, there is a confrontation between two mighty adversaries at a particular place that forever remains in memory. Ali and Frazier at Manila. Dominguin and Ordonia in the bull ring at Seville. Borg and McEnroe at Wimbledon. Hogan and Sneed at Augusta. Another of those would have to be Nicholas and Watson at Pebble Beach. Tom Watson from Kansas City, Missouri, America's heartland, educated at Stanford and destined for golfing greatness. Jack Nicholas of Columbus, Ohio, raised by a family that afforded him the best golf instruction. Tom and Jack have fought each other in other places at other times, most notably at Turnbury in the British Open of 1977, where they outdistanced the field in the final two rounds and reduced the championship to match play of unforgettable brilliance. Tom won that face-to-face playoff by a single stroke. But it was at Pebble Beach in 1982 that the rivalry took on an historic permanence. Tom Watson had never won a U.S. Open. Jack had won four. Jack finished the round tied with Watson for the championship. This time it was Watson, finishing with a flourish by chipping in from an almost impossible lie on the 17th hole. He had won his first open title and denied Jack an unprecedented fifth. 
Today, these two golfing icons meet again on the course where they both have been champions. Nicholas against Watson at Pebble Beach. History revisited on Shell's wonderful world of golf. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am beyond excited to uh, be debuting a brand new podcasting format with, uh, I would say, you know, friend, brother, fellow golfaholic, uh, Mr. Andy Fertig, one of my bandon homies. You've heard him on this podcast several times before. And Andy, I got to tell you right off the bat before we even start, man, I, I, I'm not sure I've ever been this excited for a golf guy podcast before. No, and no disrespect to my past guests, but this... This is, we're both fucking giggling. <laughs> I'm uh, excited before we start I, recording. I could not be more jacked up. When you texted me about this idea, um, I was all in. And then watching this, uh, this you know, performance by, by these two guys was something that I just couldn't get enough of. I mean, I think I've watched it now four times in its entirety. And every time I'm going back to my notes, adding stuff and, and I'm chuckling, just going back and reading through my notes because I was taking notes. Like we were, you know, writing a a recap piece. I have everybody hole by hole shot by shot. I mean, and it's hard not to, because the guys in this match are just, they're so fucking awesome. that it's like, it's tough not to, but, um, what I thought was great is that like, you know, we had this idea where kind of you and I were kicking back and forth, like what event we might want to do, whether maybe it's just some old masters or some U.S. Opens. And you were the one that was like, what about some shells, wonderful worlds of golf? And it instantly just clicked. I was like, I know, I know it's what we have to do. And then I sent you on the assignment to like watch a couple, find out what you wanted. Uh, I was going to do the same. And the fact that we both looked, came back to each other, like, come on, man, we're, we're California guys like Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Pebble Beach. Is there is there any more of a fitting match to start the golf rewatch party? I mean, does it get any better than those two guys at one of the greatest courses in the world? I I, I don't think so. I mean, if if you ask Jack Whitaker, the answer might be no. But he's I mean, this guy has also hosted so many wonderful days of world of golf that I mean, <laughs> he might be a little biased. I, I don't know. There's so many perfect days out there. I I don't. I'm, a, I'm starting to lose track. Jack has one of the best gigs. I mean, he was, you know, living the Jim Nance dream before Jim Nance. This is Shell's Wonderful World of Golf, a series of international golf matches played on the world's most famous golf courses. No, he's absolutely crushing it. And, uh, and we're actually going to get, a, I, got, I got lots of info on uh, on the late Jack Whitaker that is, that is phenomenal. We're, we're going to get into it. So um, for anybody that is, <laughs> I should say, for all of you out there that are listening to this format for the first time, um, this is a podcast that is very much inspired by uh, the Rewatchables podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, uh, uh, the brainchild of Bill Simmons, where they go and they basically do post-game shows for like old movies. And given the fact that we're in the middle of a global pandemic with no live sports, what what better excuse to go and rewatch some of the most classic uh, golf matches, rounds of all time, and then treat it like it's live sport, and then do a do a kick-ass, uh, lengthy post-game show for it, and voila, that that is where we are right here. So um, I don't know. We're, we're going to talk a little about just some uh, just general info for the actual match itself. Uh, we'll get into all like kind of some of the fine details. We'll kind of talk about the the round itself, kind of going hole by hole, and then we got some categories, Andy. Just uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna hand some awards out uh, when this thing is all done. So. Fuck, man. You got anything uh, that you, you want to get out to the people before we really just jump in? 
I mean, the wonderful world of golf format and and the way that it's laid out on YouTube is just screaming for for somebody to do a format like this. So I'm just so fired up to get into it. I mean, for anybody that hasn't watched these, they're a little bit over an hour. We know that you're not doing anything. You're, you're locked in your house. Um, if you want to watch some awesome golf, it's it's definitely something that is worth your time um, and and really just fun to experience for me for sure for the first time and and after I've watched it you know three or four times now the the third and fourth time was was just <laughs> as good as the fourth um, or just as good as the first so I, I'm excited to get into this with you for sure. I right, like perfect man and and that thing is like for anybody listening to this if you haven't seen the the match that we're talking about which okay let, let, we'll say it one more time so this is the the Shell Wonderful World of Golf, the match between Tom Watson and Jack Nicklaus at Pebble Beach. It took place in 1995. It is available to watch on YouTube. And I want to shout out the homie Hino uh, Designs. Hino Designs is the account that has this posted on YouTube. Um, and he has posted a ton of Shell Wonderful Worlds of Golf. I, I have no idea who this person is. I just want to shout him out because they are doing God's work out there. I mean, they're <laughs> the fact that this is just available for us to watch with an internet connection is incredible. Andy, like, not it, sponsored content, no, but no. huge shout out for that person for sure because Absolutely. it was it was so fun to to dive into and the fact that it's only an hour and and yeah, I don't I don't want to, to bury the lead here, so um, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of banter that we can get into as we get into, uh, to the details, but definitely something that's, that's worth exploring while you're bored and, and searching for some golf content. Yep. hundred percent. So, all right, let's, let, let's set the scene for everybody here. Andy. um, this match took place in 1995. You and I were actually just talking before we started recording that we were trying to find an exact date that the match took place and we weren't able to locate it, but we can both assume that it was probably taking place early spring of 1995. Yep. Uh, as they had mentioned, they had mentioned on the broadcast that it's been really wet um, and moist. I think they're playing winter rules. You know, it's lift keen in place yep. in the fairway. So I, I think we can guess this is early 1995. You know, you might ask yourself, what is happening in the world of golf in 1995? Um, you know, it's a year that Ben Crenshaw won the Masters. It's also when Tiger Woods made his very first Masters appearance as the uh, the reigning, I think, U.S. Junior Amateur Champion or U.S. Yep. Am- uh, so. Tiger played in his first Masters just shortly thereafter. Um, and the world of golf is, honestly, I think at that point, in a pretty good place. You know, I think, you know, Fred Couples was dominating the early 90s. I think Fred is still, you know, close to the peak of his powers at this point. Um, it's it's just a good time to be a golf fan. I mean, personally, I'm at, in 1995, Andy, I'm starting to play golf. I think I played my first 18-hole round in 1994. So, for me... I'm playing golf at this point, but I have no personal memories of this match taking place and watching it on TV at the time. I, I'm assuming you're kind of the same, being that we're basically the same age. Yep, absolutely in the same boat as you, Kyle. I think at this point um, was was kind of getting introduced to the game. My father being a college basketball coach, he was big on lifetime sports, uh, being golf and tennis, and you can only play basketball, baseball, and football for so long, so our family vacations every summer were typically at a Lawrence Welk resort that had at least a nine hole pitch and putt. Uh, we'd have a little patio where we could, you know, pop off the back and, and, you know, jump on a hole or two. Um, and he could also dump me and my brother off, 
um, at the, you know, chipping session that they were running for free at the resort while, while mom and dad wanted to go have some, some adult time. So, um, definitely before, you know, before I had any, any kind of real golf memories myself, but, um, something that if I was of age would have been just an awesome thing to, to kind of capture and something that, you know, I think would be great that they could bring back, especially now in the time that we're in with, with quarantine and stuff, um, doesn't seem like it'd be too difficult to get two guys out there, um, you know, limited crowd, being able to, um, you know, keep social distance and and just kind of keep a banter back and forth. I think that was one of the other things that was refreshing is you can tell that uh, that Tom and Jack kind of had a, a natural banter and were definitely competitive guys, but also um, for sure got along. And it was yeah. nice to see them kind of interact without uh, the social media mob and, and you know, micro analyzing everything that they were saying, kind of being able to, to bust each other's chops a little bit um, and, and really not have too much of a filter. Uh, so, I, 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 I mean, I loved it. Yeah, I, and, and not to go off the rails too far here before we, like, even get past our first bullet point on our, on our episode outline. But I have to ask, dude, like, I kept thinking to myself as we were watching this. Could they do Shell's Wonderful World of Golf today? And, because the thing is, it's not a live program, right? It, it's like a match that they recorded, you know, they they filmed, and then basically they edit it. You know, they put a bunch of really great, like, you know, package, you know, uh, like graphics packages into it. They condense it down so it's just a perfect, like, hour-long show. Um, like, in 2020 and beyond, like, in the age of Twitter, could, could this work? I don't see why not. Um, and especially with you know, the clubs that these guys have access to. And, and, you know, you and I talked, um, about the, the wonderful world of golf at Pine Valley as potentially being the first one that we were going to do having, you know, two of these guys at the peak of their power. I mean, you know, Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler at Cypress, like something like that. Uh, why not? Why, why couldn't they do something like that or, or have these guys play? Um, I guess it would just be because like my, my only thought of it not working is that in the age of Twitter and social media, like somebody would find out about it. Somebody would get out there and they would be like tweeting and texting or doing, you know, basically telling yeah. what's happening in the match. Where like, it would it be as good if people already knew what the end result was. I mean, granted the second and third time that I watched this, I knew who won and it was still great. So maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, there would surely be some problems with, um, with the gambling aspect of it, right? Like people would want to be able to bet on it like they were with the, with the tiger and bill match. Um, which is why I think doing it somewhere at a really exclusive club like Cyprus or like national golf links, um, somewhere that's, that's uber private and in a time like this, where you don't have the ability for people to go out and be an internet sleuth, um, because they're have a stay at home order and they're, they're quarantined in their homes. Um, it might be the perfect time to do it. So, you know, I I think it probably takes some funding for us to make it happen, but I I think so. I'm sure there's folks out there that, uh, that could do it. So if, if any of you bigwigs are out there listening, um, I would love to see this happen. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, all right, so, we, so you know, back back on track here. So we set the stage, right? This is 1995. You know, great year for golf. Uh, Jack Nicholas is 55 years old. Tom Watson is 45 years old. So they're not necessarily at the peak of their powers uh, for like these two guys at this time. But they're also both. I mean, we're going to talk about the competitors here shortly, so I won't go into too much detail. But like, as you will find out as this episode goes along, both of these dudes have still got an absolutely incredible amount of game. In 1995, oh, yeah. it's like, it's like th- these guys are not 
compromise at all. Like they're still probably operating at over ninety percent of their uh, of their apex level. So that that's the level of golf is not of concern, you know, in in, in this broadcast, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Um, it, so it's taken place at Pebble Beach Golf Links, um, still to this day regarded as the number one public access golf course in all of the United States. Um, real quick, Andy, Pebble or Pacific Dunes? <laughs> so I've never played Pebble, oh. uh, um, which is you know it hurts my heart a little bit. And, I think I know. And, I think I know where we need to be taking a uh, extended weekend golf trip here once this quarantine's over. Yeah, there we go. And and I know we're we have a bullet point to talk about the uh, the greens fees at this time in in 1995, mm-hmm. um, significantly lower than what they are now. Well, uh, let's just jump right into it. So like so, it. It, what's great is in the broadcast they have just a unbelievably kick ass graphics package where they come and and basically share a bunch of. Uh, just you know, a description of the course. I'm just going to run through these real quick after we hear Jack Whitaker explain to us wh- where exactly we're going to be watching all this action take place. The Monterey Peninsula has been a place of delight for centuries for every human being, animal, or aquatic creature that had the good fortune to be born or hatched at this ineffably beautiful place. This peninsula is Mother Nature wearing her best dress and includes an eclectic mix of backgrounds. On the south side of this paradise is Pebble Beach, its links known throughout the world for its beauty and its challenge. This incredible piece of land features some of the most spectacular seaside holes anywhere in the world. Uh, In 1995, from the back tees, 6,823 yards. That's a that's a big boy golf course. That's that, that's isn't that what a golf course kind of should be? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, like... yeah. That's that's well well within reason. We don't we don't need these seventy seven hundred yard behemoth golf courses. I I mean again when we get when we get to like what's aged the best and just talking about like the the clubs these guys are hitting from certain yardages, it makes me so happy, Andy. I I like <laughs> like seeing like guys like not hitting pitching wedge from one seventy just feels refreshing. Oh, absolutely. When they're talking about, oh, he really got a hold of that driver and it went 265. And yeah. it's like, nice. It's so great. Oh, Me too. It's so good. Like, so at 6,800 yards, it's still, it, it's providing a, a wonderful test uh, for both these guys. They have it uh, back then. Uh, fairways are perennial rye. Greens are a mix of bent and poa. I'm not 100% positive if that's still the case. It might be. I Maybe I should have looked a little bit further. Uh, I, I mean, I have a buddy who is a superintendent with the Pebble Beach company that I could probably just text and ask, but I know for sure there's still Poe out there. I don't know if they still try to have it be a hybrid with bent to like keep it a little smoother or if they just said, fuck it and just let the Poe take over. But either way, it's still pretty similar, uh, to what they have right now. This is a big one. And you already mentioned it. Greens fees. Jesus Christ. It, it almost hurts me to actually say it out loud. Andy. I, $225 green fee. For Pebble Beach, a hundred and ninety-five dollars for hotel guests. Andy, do you know what the fee is to play Pebble Beach right now? Um, it's it is on high on my bucket list, so I think I have a pretty good idea. Unless they've raised it in the last six months, I want to say it's around four ninety-five. It has gone up. They have raised it in the last six months. I believe now for a round at Pebble Beach, it is five hundred and fifty-five dollars. Wow. So the price of around uh, what two hundred and twenty percent ish of the price of nineteen ninety five inflation is rocking the Monterey Peninsula, Andy. 
So we could we could play 36 and have a nice round of cocktails in 1995 for what we're paying for 18 holes right now with no caddy and probably no cart. That is a brilliant way to put it. And yes, you are absolutely correct. That's tough. Which, that's 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 a tough tough sledding for us right now Kyle. yeah i mean and this thing is like and they, you know the fact that they have a discounted rate 30 dollars off if you're <laughs> if you're willing to stay at the pebble beach hotel just incredible um <laughs> i i think what's what's a little like that's about that's like nowadays you actually have to be staying at the hotel to even get a tea time yep. the only way you can play pebble beach without staying at the hotel is making a reservation within like four or five days like they they finally open it up to the public four or five days out but if you want to make a reservation at Pebble Beach nowadays, uh, more than a week in advance, you have to be staying at the hotel, which, by the way, rooms at Pebble Beach start at $1,000 a night. Well, maybe all this nice publicity we're giving them, Kyle, will uh, will get us, you know, a, a 3% discount. That would be that would be lovely. I'll, maybe I'll make some phone calls for us, brother. We'll, we'll see if we can get in there. Um, let's see what we can see what kind of strings we can pull. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's see here. Uh, at the time, they had the course record of 62 by Tom Kite. I'm just realizing right now that I did a terrible job at confirming to see if that still stands. Did did, did you see if Tom Kite's course record still stands at Pebble? Our research department is on it right now, okay, Kyle. Good. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, well, you know, we're yeah. gonna have, we're gonna have our stats and information crew look that up for us. We'll have an answer to all you folks by the end of the podcast. So don't don't worry about that. Uh, they mentioned in the graphics package that Pebble Beach is ranked third in the USA, um, but they don't provide any context as to where that's cited from. What publication it, it it's coming? So I, we're just going to go ahead and just say it's the third best golf course in the USA according to Shell's Wonderful World of Golf, um, but not knowing exactly what that means. What, what what are your thoughts? I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. By the way, also love the fact they mentioned multiple times Pebble Beach is the future site of the 2000 U.S. Open. Yeah, no, that was that was amazing, and uh, the research department's just gotten back to me, Kyle, Good. and. Google is telling me that uh, the Pebble Beach course record was tied by Justin Rose oh. in the U.S. Open uh, with a 65, so that seems off from our 62, um, so there's really no way to tell. Tom Kite still apparently the course record holder with a score of 10 under par, 62. To be honest, that is a unbelievable round of golf <laughs> I, I, I would love to see somebody beat that course record I mean, although I, as, as people will soon find out I was thinking that one of the contestants in this match might have a chance after the front nine I was just gonna say the <laughs> same thing I thought they were both gonna shatter it. yeah dude, like, it's, it's absolutely unreal man like I'm so stoked to talk about these guys playing golf because they're just absolutely crushing it so um yeah let, let's let's talk a little bit more about the guys so Tom Watson uh and Jack Nicholas at this point in their careers like we said uh, I think in 1995, Tom Watson is 45, Jack Nicholas is 55. Um, yep. But th- the crazy thing is, like, both of them are still really competitive, at least in the world of like professional golf. So, just a little bit of context for. I mean, well, actually, okay. Before I start going through and like reading kind of where these guys were at this point in their careers, do you have any other comments about Jack or, or Tom that you want to share before we dive in? No, I mean, I had no idea before watching this that there was a 10 year age gap there. Um, so that was something when, when it came off and, and Jack makes a couple comments, you know, of, Hey, pick on somebody your own age throughout, throughout kind of their on course banter, um, where I was like, wow, there's a 10 year age difference. I had no idea. Um, 
But Jack's intimidation factor, even at age 55, is is surely still there. Dude, it is unparalleled. He is just flexing repeatedly throughout this broadcast. It's incredible. Oh, that lose you there? No, no, no. I'm okay. still here. Okay, so, so we're looking at Tom Watson. In 1995, he did not win any PGA Tour events in 1995, but at this point he is 12 years removed from his latest uh, major championship. So they mentioned throughout, obviously both of these guys, and they say it in the broadcast, both of these guys have won U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach, right? Yep. Jack, Jack won the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach in 1972. Tom Watson beat Jack in the 1982 U.S. Open. So they've both won major championships at this venue, which makes this event even that much cooler. Um, yeah. But but it had been 12 years since Tom Watson had last won a major, which was the 1983 Open Championship where he beat out Andy Bean and Hale Irwin, which, to be fair, pretty strong. Um, and, <laughs> well, actually, what's crazy is in 82, he won the U.S. Open at Pebble, and then also won the 82 Open Championship, his fourth, and then won his fifth Open Championship the following year in 83. So he's 12 years removed from that. But, by the way, he wasn't done winning on the PGA Tour. Did you know that Tom Watson won the Memorial in 1996, a year after this took place? I did not know that, but I know that he came pretty damn close to winning another Open Championship. That's the thing. To me, that's actually the biggest what-if because... He lost in a four-hole playoff to Stuart Sink at the 2009 Open Championship at what? He's almost 60? Unbelievable. I mean, honestly, I like Stuart Sink. He's a perfectly nice man. But that, if Tom Watson had won the 2009 Open Championship, it actually, I think, in my opinion, would have been maybe the greatest major win in history. Like, and and I'm talking knowing that Tiger won the 2019 Masters last year. Like, that's how incredible that would have been. I can't argue with you there. It okay. was, and I mean, that's one where that's a little bit more in our wheelhouse of, of having memories and, and watching right. that. And, right. um, and I remember watching that and just being like, wow, this guy's going to do it. Yeah. I, it, it just, it's just absolutely incredible. So this is 14 years before that. And he's already 45. So he's like 59 at that point. The guy's just incredible. But I mean, in 1995, everybody's kind of talking about Tom Watson as if like, you know, He's, he's past his peak, and he, uh, yes, he, he never won any major championships after 1995, but the dude won the Memorial in 1996, like 14 months after the Shell's Wonderful World of Golf. He's winning probably the second or third biggest non-major tournament in the world. Pretty I good. mean, if, if you, you know, if, if, our, if our listeners watch how he played the first 10 holes here, I don't think that's going to come as a surprise yeah. at all. Yeah, totally. And by the way, in that 1996 uh, Memorial Tournament, beat a young David Duval by two strokes. Powerful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Guy, you know, tw- you know, 14 under for the championship at Muirfield Village. Very, very, that's, very that's strong. That's firepower. Very, very strong. So, um, Tom Watson, again, still playing phenomenal golf. Very, very obvious when you're watching the broadcast. On the other side, you know, Jack Nicholas. I mean, he is only nine years removed from his Masters win in 1986 as, as a 46-year-old. Like yep. and, and and here's here's the greatest part. In 1995, um, I'm looking here. His his finishes in majors in 1995, tied for 35 at the Masters, did miss the cut at the U.S. Open, tied for 79th at the Open Championship, tied for 67th at the PGA Championship. Not good, right? Oh, nope. by the way, he was still top tenning in a, in the Masters three years later in 1998. 
crazy. Yeah, like, dude, like, like in the 90s, like, so Jack's last major win is the 1986 Masters. He has a top 10 finish at the Masters in 1990 and 1998. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say, you know, there's there's horses for courses, but I, I guess Jack is a horse for every course. Yeah, Jack is that, 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 that is perfectly put. It's crazy. Like, Nicholas is still really, really good. What's, what's awesome is, like, him and Tom Watson are basically hitting the same clubs into most, like, when they have a similar distance, they're hitting the same clubs. Yep. So the fact that there's a 10-year age difference, it, Jack, like you said, is really buttering Tom up throughout this thing, trying to make him, <laughs> ah, you know, I'm so old. It's like, by the way, I still hit every single one of my clubs just as far as you. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, they have, and they have some fun little mono mono you know, KPs out there. Um, you know, they, it, it's not recorded. They're not talking about it, but there's a few. I mean, even on 18, you know, they're both, I think, within a yard or two going into 18 green. Um, so there's there's definitely some some opportunities for uh, for Jack to show the young buck that he's still got some game. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think what, what I'm really trying to communicate to everybody that's listening here is even in 1995, both of these guys are still absolutely crushing it. Like, both of these guys in 1995 would still be the best golfers that anybody listening to this has ever met in person by a long very, shot. Very good at golf. Yeah, still. Very, very good. And probably still to this day. I, I'm not going to lie. I have no confidence that I would be able to beat an 80-year-old Jack Nicklaus. Zero. No, no, None. me neither. Like, <laughs> absolutely zero. As a single, as a single-digit handicapper, granted, it's like you know an eight, so it's really not that impressive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no chance, zero, none chance of beating an eighty-year-old Jack Nicklaus. Um, okay, we're gonna go into the next bullet point here. This is the one that I, honestly, dude, I feel as passionate about this as I do as any aspect, and I can already tell you, the guys that we're about to talk about here are gonna be coming back in what's age the best when we get to categories. Yep. Let's talk a little broadcasting here. This oh. is this is the high water mark of golf broadcasting, and I say that with all due respect to Jim Nance yep. and and what's and because the Masters is is also the high water mark. Like the Masters is also phenomenal, but because they have the ability to go through and do this and then kind of edit it afterwards, it, it just is so goddamn good, Andy. Like it's so good. So let, let's say this is so basically. Jack Whitaker and Dave Marr are, are the guys that are basically coming to this thing home. Jack Whitaker is the one that's doing, basically, he is sitting in the play-by-play chair, but he's also doing all of the essays, um, uh, you know, before and during the telecast. And Dave Marr is out there basically introducing the players, following them around, uh, kind of talking, doing, you know, on-course interviews with Jack and Tom during the round. And I, I don't think I'm incorrect when I say that Dave and Jack are absolutely peaking <laughs> throughout the throughout the hour-long telecast it, it, am i wrong i'm looking through your your show sheet kyle and at the top of this we have you know date and year location golf course competitors and broadcasters and i have jack whitaker dave marr and in parentheses i put mvp MV- <laughs> because dave marr is Everything that every man strives to be in this broadcast. He is smooth. He's good looking. His outfit is fire. He has outfit changes throughout. I mean, he couldn't, you couldn't have picked two better guys than Jack and Dave to, to do this broadcast. I, I love that you said that because in my notes that I took when I was like watching this for the first time, this is literally verbatim what I have in my notes. Introducing the competitors. Dave Marr is, in all capital letters, 
absolutely in his element. Two players who just love the course here at Pebble Beach. Two players who have each won United States Open championships here. And with them now on the first tee is a man who broadcast the 1972 United States Open, won by Jack Nicklaus here, and the 1982 United States Open championship, won by Tom Watson. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Marr. Thank you, Jack, and welcome to the Pebble Beach Golf Links, a course certainly historic in American golf and golf worldwide. And of course, two important members of that history of Pebble Beach we have with us today, Tom Watson and Jack Nicklaus. Tom, 1982's got to bring back great memories for you. <laughs> like, he is just crushing it. And honestly, I, when doing a little bit of research, I was really, I was really fucking bummed to learn that uh, that Dave Marr passed away just like two years after this broadcast. He passed away in 1997, wow. which is uh, really a fucking shame. And you know, know what else is crazy is that, I mean, Jack Whitaker and Dave Marr are like two crazy big names. And be, just because of our age and we weren't watching, you know, a lot of live sports, you know, yep. before we were born in like the, the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. Yep. Um, these are, these guys were two titans, like oh, I'm sure. absolute titans. So. Um, just to give everybody a little bit of background on both uh, Jack Whitaker and Dave, just so you know the kind of heavy hitters that are bring that are basically guiding you throughout this podcast. Jack Whitaker was the broadcaster for Super Bowl One, Packers Chiefs. Crazy, incredible. Uh, he was the guy that was introducing and doing the long form essay at the Kentucky Derby and the Belmont Stakes for CBS throughout the sixties, seventies, and eighties. Um, covered many of New York marathons and Boston's marathons. Um, you know, he is the guy as an essayist for, I think the New York marathon came up with the line. Now this is an event filled with brothers, bakers and candlestick makers. This guy is just uh, absolutely incredible. I, I think he started at CBS in 1961. Uh, one of his most famous calls is when he called secretary at winning the 1973 Belmont yep. stakes, which is incredible. He joined ABC's wide world of golf or excuse me, Wide World of Sports in 1982, where he covered golf, all the Olympics and stuff like that. Um, Brent Musburger, when talking about Jack Whitaker, said he's more than a he's more of a poet than he is a reporter, which I thought was incredible. And then finished it up with, you know, for Jack Whitaker, the the human condition was his beat, and the written word was his instrument. Wow. Uh, poetic, poetic words from Brent. Uh, Brett Musburger. This is this is pre you know Alabama championship game like pervy yeah. Brett Mus. This is this is this is actual <laughs> like great like peak Brett Musburger. This is phenomenal stuff. So um, that Jack Whitaker, an absolute titan. Dave Marr. But before watching this broadcast, Andy, what what did you know about Dave Marr? Literally nothing. Yeah, now. I I knew nothing about Dave Marr, and I'm so bummed because this guy seemingly had a incredible life i like not just watching the broadcast it was very evident just given how fucking awesome he is throughout the hour-long broadcast but like did you know that dave marr is a major championship winner no but he he literally looked like the coolest guy that i've ever seen 100 percent. like like the, the rat pack would have actually been like oh, yeah. nervous to meet dave marr oh yeah like that that is how awesome he, dave marr won the 1965 pga championship runner-up at the 1964 Masters, and also, by the way, top 10 in the U.S. Open and the Major Championship in the mid-60s as well. PGA Tour Player of the Year, 
1965. Sick. That's Dude. so cool. He. I- was so cool. Like I, 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 I could not say it any better. <laughs> just like you, Kyle, I had so many comments where I was like, oh my God, look at Dave's fire fit right here. Like just with the turtleneck blazer combo, then they show him mid round. He's got a different turtleneck and a cardigan on his hair is perfect. Like he's just the coolest guy. Yeah, no. And on top of that, not only does he just look cool, he sounds awesome. He's got that perfect kind of like yep. little southern twang that makes it so he's like not intimidating, but he's like he's not intimidating, but he also is very clearly cooler than me. So do oh, like, 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 but like I have in my notes here. Watson, when asked about his U.S. Open win, uh, like so it, before the round starts, Dave Marr is kind of introducing the competitors and asking him a couple questions, and he asks uh, you know Tom about his you know his win at Pebble Beach in 1982, and Tom Watson replies. You know, it's it was the pinnacle of my career. You know, I always wanted to win my national championship, especially against my friend here, uh, Mr. Nicholas. And then uh, he pats Jack on the back. And Jack, admittedly, Jack's not really looking very amused. He goes, especially yeah. once it gets my friend here, Dave Marr, just, just absolutely in his bag, replies, like, looking at Tom, and it turns to Jack, goes, well, uh, I'm sure Jack will never forget that one. <laughs> 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 so it's, just, it's just so good. Oh, like, Dave Marr, like... I, I, again, I don't want to give anything away, but when we talk about like who won the broad, like who won this episode, yeah. like Dave Marr is the absolute leader. Like people oh, are, yeah. everybody in this telecast, players, broadcasters, like everybody is playing catch up to Dave Marr. He's the odds-on leader in the clubhouse yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, th- th- this guy's absolutely crushing it. So Dave Marr, Jack Whitaker, a perfect, perfect uh, duo. Um, to, to take us through this episode of Shell's Wonderful World of Golf. So good. one thing, by the way, in that uh, in that opening thing, when they asked Jack, you know, a question, he says, yeah, if I was one round of golf I could play before I die, it'd be Pebble Beach. Were, yeah. were you a little surprised that he said that? Kind of. Um, and I think, you know, maybe he's, he's playing it up for the game. You know, what's he going to say? If there's one round of golf that I have to play, it'd be the old course at St. Andrews. Um, you know, it's but it was interesting for him to kind of take that stand. Um, and obviously he's had a lot of success at Pebble and, and has some good memories there. So um, it was a bit surprising, but also given the fact that they're playing the tournament there and it's just the two of them um, or they're playing the match there and it's just the two of them. Um, it didn't it didn't blow my socks off, but. You know, it's, it sounds like Jack has a, has a serious place in his heart for Pebble Beach. Well, I, I will say this, man. When you and I finally get to play Pebble Beach together here in the next uh, year or two, uh, we, we will have to come back on and do a uh, another podcast about our experience and just see how exactly it stacks up. You know, somebody, you know, who's also played, you know, what many people consider to be the best golf course in the modern peninsula. I'm very curious to go back and play Pebble again and kind of see how it stacks up. I, I'm really, really excited. And especially... Yep. I want to be able to compare Pacific Dunes and Pebble too, because you know those. It's always one and two. That's uh, right. So, all right. So, don't tempt me with a good time, Kyle. I'm in. <laughs> uh, I can't help myself sometimes. Which I, I, I just uh, so <laughs> before they start, um, the the coin flip uh, seemed a little awkward, but you know, also you know, seemed pretty much right on par for uh, for the thing. Uh, by the way. I'm pretty sure he is like the rules official in a lot of Shell's Wonderful World of Golf, but the former USGA president. It, it, does he have like a Quasimodo like hunchback kind of thing? Yeah. Like he, he his posture seemed real off. Yeah, he didn't seem uh, to be the most comfortable in that no. setting, and it no. was just kind of like get him in, get him out. 
Um, you know, one of the other things I have in here, Kyle, and this could spark a, a whole broader conversation, so I don't want to off get us off track too much. Do it. Um, but is stroke play the most interesting format they could have played? I'm, I'm glad you brought it. I actually have it in my notes here. No, it's not. Like, <laughs> just like, like but, is this event better if they played in literally any different format? Uh, any different format? I almost any different format for sure. Like, but I guess here, my question to you then would be, like, would we notice how good Tom Watson's front nine is if it's just yeah. one up, two up, three up? I, I think, excuse me, like, for how incredible, like, the front nine is of this match, I, I wonder if match play would have made it more or less spectacular. Yeah, that's fair. And it and it's not like at that time they could have played some kind of, like, fun gambling game that but that's that's kind of the one thing that i've always wanted to see and i know you talk a lot about um you know just kind of getting tired of the 72 hole stroke play yes. format in, in pga golf which i am uh, i always want like i would love for guys to play like their home match right like whatever they're playing at home with their buddies and they're throwing a couple you know we don't need to know the denominations of dollars that they're spending but whether it be wolf or some kind of crazy game that they're playing like you know, if you can articulate that to the audience and let us in on a little bit more of like what a match looks like between you and a buddy at that level, um, I just think that would have been really fun. And, and you know, there's obviously a lot of specials that would have come into play here and, and different dots and, and all that. But I just thought like stroke play, you know, granted to your point, you know, would Watson's front nine have been as impressive in a match play format? Probably not. Um Although it might have been. The guy made so many goddamn birdies. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to, like, look away. It was unreal. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, – I wish they could have played, like, something different. Like, you know, even stroke play with specials or just spiced it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, okay. So, they uh, so they are playing 18-0 stroke play. You know, kind of a bummer. But also, like, it does not take away from how sure. incredible the match is, right? So, uh I'm not going to lie to you, brother. Before we jump in here, I, I feel like you and I could probably pretty easily do like two solid hours going through the rounds. How, how are we possibly going to not go two hours here? <laughs> Kyle, it's it's your show, man. You got me. You need me. To... All right. Well, I mean, they actually do not broadcast. That's the other thing. Is like, it's hilarious that they actually just end up skipping holes in, in this broadcast where it's like, and now we go to the fourth. It's like, wait, they forgot to play the third hole. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, we won't be able to talk about every hole, but uh, we'll, for all the ones that we at least have notes on, we'll, we'll touch on them real quick. So, um, as anybody who's seen any tournaments at Pebble Beach knows, um, the first you know three holes are, are not right out on the uh, on the ocean like so much of the other courses. They play a little inland, but they are tremendous golf holes nonetheless. And the first hole is a little bit of a uh, a dogleg right, uh, you know, slightly uphill, and I'm actually going to let Dave Marr. And, uh, and Jack Whitaker take you guys through this one. And now a look at the first hole here at Pebble Beach, Dave. A very gentle par four to open this tough golf course, and you'll see the players laying up off the tee to this shortish dogleg right par four. Small green to play into, protected one bunker on each side. A very nice opening hole. First of all, how great is the the score of this telecast in the in the the drone footage or it's not a drone it's a helicopter yeah. which by the way did you feel like the the whole flybys just felt a little dangerous considering that it wasn't like a nice smooth drone it was like 
Very much like a helicopter that was like... And like the the pictures that they do where it's like basically the scorecard view that you're seeing like a, a 2d version of the whole. Um, it was just crazy. I actually had a note in there to talk about how this was like the peak of the, the pinnacle of golf broadcasting at that time. Um, and, and, you know, maybe still better than the CBS covers that we're getting right now. Yeah. Uh, probably. Um, probably this, yes. You know, on, on a separate note, I guess, um, but yeah, it was, I mean, you know, is that, is it helicopter? Is it blimp? What's, what's happening there with, with the footage, but the, the way that they put it together is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, one thing that I basically had forgotten about, uh, Jack Nicholas until rewatching this. So hole number one, uh, I mean, in 2020, pretty much, unless there's an absolutely catastrophic, like hazard of some kind, isn't almost every single pro hitting driver whenever possible. Mm hmm. Because in this broadcast, Tom Watson has hidden three wood or five wood off the tee, and then Jack just whips out his fucking cobra-sized <laughs> schlong and just hits one iron off the tee because yeah. he's just that much better than everybody. I, by the way, can 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 a tour pro out there somewhere put a one iron back in the bag? Oh man, I don't know. What did what did Trevino say? If you're if you're ever out on a golf course in a lightning storm, hold up your one iron because even God can't hit a one that, iron. That is exactly right. Except. I guess does that mean Jack Nicholas is God? Well, or we'll, he's better than God. We'll let the listeners draw their draw their parallels there. <laughs> Which also okay. So by the way, Jack fucking laces a one iron on one. Watson hits a wood. They the difference in yardage they have into the green is like three yards. I think one yep. of them. I think uh, Jack has one fifty five and Tom has one fifty two into the green. By the way, yep. one fifty two, one fifty five. These guys are hitting seven irons, Andy. Yep. It made me so happy to see them hitting seven irons from 152 and 155 that I was just like, that, I missed that. Yeah. No, I think that's one of the coolest things of, of watching a couple of these, and, I, and you know, hopefully we'll be able to get back together and, and do a couple more. Um, just seeing the clubs these guys hit and the way that, that golf has, you know, kind of, I guess, changed now, but, you know, rewinding back in time, it was super cool to see them you know, really hitting like the same type of shots that we would be hitting, right? Like, or, or a normal guy would be hitting into that iron versus like, yeah. you know, I don't need to see Dustin Johnson hitting a, a pitching wedge 165 yards. Like, that's cool, but it, it's not relatable to me as a normal, you know, nine ten handicap. Exactly, and and that's the thing is like, I'm, when we get to like what's age the best, um, that that's probably going to be one of my leading candidates, and that like, it just. It was so nice to feel like I was kind of not that I'm one of these guys, but like it just I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly, brother. Like it's just it, to be able to relate to what the pros are yeah. doing on the screen just felt awesome. Yeah, you're playing the same game as these guys versus right now. Like I don't feel like I'm playing the same game as Roy McElroy and Dustin Johnson. That is because we're not playing the same game. That, that's, <laughs> that's that's quite true. Uh, so first hole. Both the guys put in the fairway, one iron, you know, three wood. Jack banks it to 12 feet. Oh, by the way, Tom Watson, just being the fucking stone-cold savage that he is, puts it to, like, four feet, bangs the birdie putt. Jack hits the left edge of the cup, hits it a little bit past. You know, he's kind of murmuring, yeah. ah, too hard, too hard. He yeah. taps in for par. I mean, a pretty innocuous start, but a strong start for Tom Watson. Dude, I, uh, my note said six start to what feels like an epic round. And I think that that's exactly what it is, right? Having Jack hit one iron and be away and put it to 10 feet and then have Tom jab back and put it to like four. 
um, was just like, wow, like that got me like even more geared up to like this. This could be something special that we're watching here. Yeah, 100 um, percent. So after that, they go to the par five second. Uh, they don't show any of the tee shots, but they do actually cut to a kind of a flashback of the last time the wonderful world of golf was played at Pebble Beach, which oddly enough was between a young Jack Nicklaus and a then, yep. you know, more experienced Sam Snead. Um, when I was doing the research for the podcast, did you know that this, the, the Watson Nicholas episode we're covering now and that Nicholas Snead match, those are the only two times the wonderful world of golf ever went to Pebble? No, but that's another place they can go back to like tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And, and get some of these guys out there to oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like you, I never will get tired of watching golf at Pebble Beach. No, no, that's, that's a correct. And on top of that, did you notice how fucking awesome the golf course looked in that old like footage from like the sixties? Pebble looked so good. Yep. So yeah, I know and, you've, te- and different. To, I know you've teased ahead to what age the best, um, Pebble Beach is, is high on my list of, of what's aged the best. Yes. hundred percent. And it's, it's timeless, man. I, I think that's why yep. like Pebble is so timeless. Um, and you know, Jack, you know, when they cut back to that footage of Jack and Sam Snead, a young Jack, that guy looked like an absolute assassin. Oh yeah, like that guy. That guy gave no. That guy was out there to murder people. Like yeah, <laughs> he's so good. His hair, oh, God. big build. Like he, man, it was cool. It was yeah. cool to watch that for sure. Yeah, he was absolutely crushing it. So, but so uh, flashback after that package, they go back to the second hole. They skip the tee shots. Uh, Jack's hitting a three wood from two fifty. Hits it on the green, like, 20 feet left of the hole. Incredible. Like, again, three from 250, that that just feels awesome. Uh, such, such a sick move by him, too, just, like, walking after that three wood from uh-huh. 250. Like, I, I, I had that written down where it's, like, it kind of looked a little bit left. It kind of, like, bounces through the, the greenside rough there and then just kicks down, and it's like, wow, that guy's played here before. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he pured that. Yeah, absolutely pure. And that's a, that's one more thing. Just like we were talking about in the first hole, like pure as a three wood two fifty. Like that's yeah. that seems more believable. That that kind of seems like what yeah. it's supposed to be, right? Yep. Normal guy golf. Normal guy golf. Exactly. Like an absolute purina three wood. Yeah, not that Jack or Tom Watson are normal guys, but for us, you know, with thirty years of technology. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're kind of on the same page as they were as, you know, normal guys right. back then. Kyle and Andy in their early thirties in 1995 <laughs> are still actually only hitting three wood about two fifteen two twenty. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if I really get a hold of it, if, if we hit it on the screws, that is, uh, <laughs> um, so Jack's on the green and two Tom Watson puts a second shot into the greenside bunker, right? Um, homeboy, you know, Gets it out of the bunker, puts it 10 feet, makes his up and down, starts birdie, birdie. Jack's putt breaks a little more than he thought. He misses it right. Uh, he misses his eagle putt right, but he taps in for bird. So through two holes, you know, Tom's birdie, birdie. Jack is, you know, ho-hum par birdie. I, I, am I missing something? Could, could these guys Wait, not still win major championships? Isn't isn't Watson's, isn't he a double Sandy birdie there on two? Isn't he in the fairway bunker? I don't even remember. Is he? I believe. So I have that in my notes. I believe. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Now that I'm thinking back to it, I, yeah, I fucking did. I didn't have and that in my notes. And he's greenside bunker, and then he hits out, and and Jack's eagle putt was perfect. And one of the things that I have in my notes was 
Jack's putting, his speed is absolutely unbelievable. Like he doesn't miss a putt short all day unless he's lagging something up there. Yeah. Now, okay. This is this is like where I'm actually gonna like do a little nitpicking here, and I I have to ask because since we didn't live through Jack's prime, you know, I admittedly as as much as I try to go back and rewatch like old you know old golf. Yeah, I, I think you know, comparatively speaking, I've still watched very little Jack Nicholas compared to any you know golf fan over the sure. age of you know fifty, right? Um, I don't know about you, but does Jack's putting like his form just look painful? Yeah, it's like it's, that left elbow is poked so far out. It's like it's it's so technical, but I know it's technical because he's just learned like this is how this is how you get it done, and it's obviously incredibly effective and it works great, but it just it looks very uncomfortable to me. It's it's kind of funky looking, but the thing for me that I put down and like asterisk around it and and put it in capital letters is like his speed was just unbelievable. Like even the putts that he misses are like every putts like on the high side like 3 inches past. And it's like you he it was it's so well said. It's it's unreal, man. It's like wow, like even the putts he misses, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, it didn't take that. And and you can kind of hear his banter afterwards, where well, well, I thought that was gonna break a little bit more. Um, and you're just watching it, like man, this guy, like he gives himself a chance on every single putt. Yes, that yeah, absolutely right. And um, yeah, that, that's another thing. I think that age actually secretly, I think, kind of ages the best. Is that. It's actually nice watching these guys put on greens that are probably more along like the nine to ten on the stint yeah. meter as opposed to like thirteen. Like you can actually see guys, you know, ten to twelve feet, like putting like a nice little bit of speed on the ball to try to hit the back of the cup, which you just can't do now because if you miss the cup, you're you're going ten, twelve feet by, right? But yeah. I, I actually really liked seeing them put on greens that were a little bit slower. I don't I don't know. Did you, did you have a read on that? No, I I I, I love the putting. Yeah. And like I have like I think almost I think every hole through eight, I have a comment about like Jack's putting and like how he's just he's banging him in. He's like he's firm and confident. And it, it was it was just really cool to watch. And it's definitely different than, you know, what you would see now. And, and would some of those putts, you know, instead of rolling three inches past, maybe roll three or four feet past? Maybe. Um, but do I think Jack wouldn't just nail the comeback or like absolutely? Yeah, exactly. So uh, he's Jack incredible. So, uh, bo- both guys birdie the second hole. Um, I-, I mentioned it like five minutes ago, but they just s- skipped the third hole. Yeah. <laughs> like the third hole is a great, is a great golf hole. It's like one of the, the craziest, gnarliest dog leg lefts like in professional golf, but alas, it, no need to worry about that. They jump straight ahead to hole number four, which is kind of the first hole in the golf course that actually has the ocean in play. Ocean's on the right side. You're kind of hitting over a little ravine out into a fairway. Uh, the announcers are a little baffled that Tom Watson is hitting driver, yep. Uh, yep. Which, I, which I think is hilarious because he just proceeds to just bang it right down the left center of the fairway. Rips uh, it. And then, like, you know, and then, you know, criticizing Tom Watson for, like, or I shouldn't say critic, but they're a little bewildered, if you will. Um, well, that that he's, that he's hitting... Jack. Yeah, well, Jack takes out an iron and almost puts it in a fucking bunker left of the fairway. <laughs> well, Jack gives him a little bit of a hard time being like, well, what are, what are you doing hitting driver here? Like, no one hits driver here. And then he goes, oh, you know, I just decided to hit it today. And he's like, well, why? that was where I think the first time he said, like, pick on somebody your own age. Right. 
He was like, well, why did you decide to hit it today? He's like, oh, I don't know. I just wanted to like hit it today. He's like, well, why don't you just pick on somebody your own age? Yeah, which, <laughs> and which is Watson great. Is on, Watson is on such a roll at this point, and this is a time where I don't know, like, you know, obviously we, we know about Tiger now and kind of his mental games that he plays with people, and, and I don't know that Jack was really known for that. I You know, we obviously didn't live through his kind of prime heyday. Um but for him to kind of start that banter there, um, hey, no, you know, nobody hits driver here. And, and Tom almost seemed like he was embarrassed at how well he was playing. And I wonder if that played into like Jack's competitive drive and him kind of, you know, busting his chops a little bit. And for sure. Uh, and if he was, you know, a little intimidated because, I mean, he started what birdie, birdie par. He's two under through three. Yes. Well, t- and- t- Thomas, yeah, for sure. And he can't be playing any better, right? And and Jack's just kind of sitting there, like taking his best shot, like, oh yeah, like that's that's all you got. Yeah, which is incredible. And here's the best thing: it gets even worse for because you know, like we said, Jack, you know, barely gets lucky, just barely like avoids a bunker left of the fairway, hits it up, makes par. Oh, by the way, Tom knocked his approach shot to inside five feet and tapped in for birdie again, birdieing three out of the first four holes. Yep, incredible. I, I have in my notes. Uh, this is an exact quote from my notes. Watson puts his second shot to inside five feet and makes bird all capital letters is absolutely striping the golf ball. I don't know that he like, again, we, we're not, you know, historians of, of Tom Watson's absolutely career, not. Like, has he played any better than that in his entire life? Like it was a absolute display yeah. of like golf mastery. Yeah. Those, those and and you know keeps going yeah it was it was incredible um so which is great so hole number five this is one that i actually wanted to ask you it was weird andy watching them play the old fifth hole was weird yeah it didn't even like it like i was watching them, i was like why the fuck is that a golf hole and i was like oh wait that's what hole the fifth hole used to be where he used to play the par three which now yeah. since jack nicholas oddly enough has you know gone in and redesigned it and basically made it play right along like the edges of the cliff, so it's spectacular. It's you know on any other golf course, it's the signature golf hole, right? But here in Pebble, it's just one of the many you know yep. incredible world class best you know oceanside golf hole you ever seen. But you know back in 1995, it was the old fifth hole, which just was a oddly enough played from next to the ocean, just back inland through like a little shoot between two clusters of trees to an elevated green where like half the green was like blind and like hidden behind a cluster. Of, it was a weird golf hole, man. Yeah, it was it was a little bit weird, and it was weird to see kind of the differences and how it's been changed since. Um, but I mean, it's it's just another like Tom Watson center of the green, um, six iron from one hundred and sixty two yards, which again I love. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> uh, um, Jack jabs back, puts his inside, um, and in my notes I have at this point I'm giddy. <laughs> Jack firm Drano to get back within one three under and two under after five is epic. Yeah, it's incredible. And I the, the only other thing I have in my notes for hole number five is the <laughs> the sexy jazz saxophone playing over Jack's highlight <laughs> package from 1982 is fucking outstanding. <laughs> I feel like yep. I'm on the set of Roman Polanski's Chinatown. That, that, that's what <laughs> that's what I have in my notes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, just just great. By the way, uh, after hole five, so like you said, it, it's a one shot difference. Uh, Jack Whitaker comes in 
and is basically giving like a little talk about uh, like Monterey in between I'm holes five so, and six. I'm so glad that you mentioned this, Kyle, because I I have this starred and highlighted, and, <laughs> and you and I may be just in an echo chamber <laughs> of similar opinions here, but the the Samuel Moore story is so awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. Like abs, like Jack Whitaker. And we're going to play a bunch of like the audio from this. Maybe I'll try to throw this one in here at this point, but it's just so good. Like the more story is great. And then he definitely, the one thing that I also have noted here is that he definitely throws an awesome, like, you know, anti, anti Chinese jab in there as well, which is really, really strong. The history of the Monterey Peninsula and Pebble Beach is as colorful as the place is beautiful. Every adventure in many countries coveted this peninsula the Spaniards, the British, the Russians, and the Chinese from a village right here in Stillwater Cove almost fished the waters empty. Savagery. <laughs> Jesus. Unbelievable. Uh, really, just Jack Whitaker giving absolutely zero fucks. Um, <laughs> it's just incredible. So uh, then we get to the par 5 sixth. Um, I, I, in my notes, I don't have anything for tee shots. They must have skipped over the tee shots for the sixth hole. Yeah, so it looks like uh, what I have, Jack lays up, Watson rips the three-wood, ends up pin-high left behind a trap in thick rough. Um, Jack sticks another one, parentheses, this can't be going better. Watson hacks <laughs> out, Jack drains the birdie, tied at three under after six. Like, th- I mean, at this point, if you're not captivated by what's happened in the first six holes, you're not a golf fan. No, th- at this point, they're both on pace to shoot 63. Like they're both they're both three under through six. And the only thing I have in my notes for hole six is that that three with the Tom Watson hits from the fairway. It's a really good looking golf swing, right? He hits three. Oh, yeah. He hits three from 247. He ends up probably what about 15, 20 paces left of the flag stick, but that's just left of the green, left of the left greenside bunker in yep. some pretty nasty rough. Um, ends up in a pretty jacked up lie. But the one note that I has was when I, in 2020, when I see a professional make that same kind of swing, there's no way it's going that far left. In 2020, the technology is good enough where yeah. he's not paying a penalty for being like 3 to 4% off his perfect swing. Where I, yeah. I, I think that's when I was like, in 1995, the technology is still at the point where from 250 hitting a three wood off the fairway, unless your swing is perfect, it's going to be just a little bit offline. And you saw that with Tom Watson, where it just uh, that that's one of the things where I'm not sure if it aged the best or aged the worst. But you know, seeing guys actually get penalized for not making a perfect yeah. golf swing was kind of kind of cool to watch. Well, and in 2020, they're hitting what a four iron. Yeah, exactly. 247. That is going to be that's like a like a stock five. Yeah, I mean, if you know stock five, it's going to run out a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different game for sure. The equipment they're playing with is, is different, but it's, it is super cool to see them like kind of get around the golf course the same way that we would get around the golf course from a distant standpoint. Yes. Just just like much better versions of us. Yeah. 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 Much, (laughs) much better version. Uh, so they're both three under through six. Uh, they go to the iconic par three seventh. Uh, they're both hitting pitching wedge, but I like how Jack Whitaker comes to us. And you know anybody here? You could be hitting anything from a sand wedge to a three iron. And I was thinking to myself, yeah. like, I know the wind out there gets crazy, but what fuck boy is hitting a three <laughs> iron on a fucking hundred and ten yard? Like, I don't care how bad the wind is. Like, who's hitting three iron? Jesus, Jack, take it easy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Slow your roll, homie. Um, I, I actually that's the only note that I have for that entire hole. I, I don't even I didn't even write down what did they both make par there? Yeah, so okay. Jack Jack's barely on the front. Tom puts it right into the middle of the green. I, I have in all caps. Jack finally leaves a putt short, and then in parentheses <laughs> on purpose. Um, he's he's doing it to throw us off a scent, dude. He's he's actually yeah. did it on purpose. Yeah, taps in for a casual par. Uh, Tom has a good putt that runs just past the hole. Par, par, no blood. Incredible. But then we, we can talk about what happens after seven, right? The Bing Crosby commercial. Oh, my gosh. Yes, please. Please. I, I have it in my notes as well, so I'm, I'm glad you brought it up first. <laughs> I mean, just uh, just cool guys talking about cool guys. Like, what what an epic what an epic story of him, him talking about Bing and the history of the clam bake and and kind of their background and his history on the peninsula. And I mean, just like, again, not to jump ahead, um, but we're talking peak of their powers, like the quote unquote commercials that they have or the interludes or the graphics package or whatever you want to call them um, is one of my favorite things, knowing that the golf was unbelievable too. Yes. Yes. That's exactly. And, and here's the thing is like, I'm sure that there's tournaments like, you know, when we watch professional tournaments now, I'm sure they still do stuff like that within the tournaments. But why is it that I never notice them when I'm watching modern broadcast in the way that I, Jack Whitaker takes me through one? Is I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like this is it's just like I'm just like shaking. Like this is incredible. Um, I, one other thing, I actually had a question at the end of it, he goes. Bing Crosby left an indelible mark on the Monterey Peninsula and Pebble Beach. His tournament still continues. It's known now as the AT&T National Pro-Am Championship. But most of us still call it the Crosby. And I was thinking, I was like, that's odd because like, I feel like most of the old like, people that I talked to growing up always called it the Clambake. Yeah, I always thought it was, was the Clambake as so, well. Am, am, am I, I, I could be off here. I mean, they're, they're, maybe we're just living in a, a weird little echo chamber, as you said. But uh, yeah, I always thought it was called, so was like, most of us called it. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, yeah, the Clambake is the Crosby. I was like, Jack? <laughs> Jack, <laughs> are, Jack, are we not on the same page here, Jack? Jack was so cool that he was just kind of going off off script and seeing if anyone was even going to notice. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, so both the guys are three under through seven. Eighth hole, obviously one of the most spectacular par fours in the world. Um, I think they're both hitting three wood off the tee, which is great. Uh, I think nowadays a lot of players are taking hybrids or you know four irons off the tee on eight. Um, to get up to the top of that hill to then have that really epic second shot. Uh, in my notes here, even though I'd seen it several times already, uh, when they're you know they they pan to Tom Watson talking with his caddy and his golf bag is there, I'm just like that golf bag is unreal. Like that's basically like a two tone Al Cervic special, like right yeah. out of Caddyshack. We're like that golf bag is enormous. Like how how did anybody ever carry a golf bag that large? Oh, I don't know. And I have, I have a note to uh, to ask you about playing this hole. I, I feel like this would be my favorite hole on the golf course, even though it would absolutely destroy yeah, me. You, you and me today, we would have like a 14% chance of making par better. Oh, and as our, as our listeners know, um, I don't have an affinity for, for typically hard holes. Oh, uh, yes. I, I like to... I favor the uh, the higher handicap handicap holes on the golf course, um, but it's this just looks this just looks so fun. It's so it's so fun. It's like it's crazy because it's a lot like sixteen at Cypress in that it's so yep. mean and it's so hard. But the fact that it's so crazy difficult is kind of what makes it so fun. One hundred percent. Yeah. 
you know, it's great. So like they, they both had three wood off the tee. I think I have here in my notes that Tom hits four iron. So he goes three wood, four iron on a par four, which I feel like I never see in the modern game. Never. Yeah, Jack goes three wood, five iron. Incredible. Uh, <laughs> Tom, uh, Tom misses his left and get into a kind of what ends up being a pretty shitty lie just off the green left. Shitty lie. Yeah, and Jack hits it to the front edge of the green. Um, do you, from there, do, do you want to tell the listeners what happens? I mean, I'm hoping a lot of people have watched the broadcast already and that are coming here for the post game. But for the people out there that don't recall this, what what exactly happened when they got up to the green, Andy? So I have this uh, all caps asterisk around it uh, potential shot of the day for Watson. He his lie. I can't overstate how shitty this lie was. Like it's the, it's, the grass dude. is all over it. It's deep in the cabbage. Um, the, and the, just to, to add on to that, in my notes, in my all I've written is absolutely fucksville lie. <laughs> it's it's so bad, and you're just thinking like, well, if he can like get it on, and and get up and down from here, that would be heroic. And the guy fucking chips in. Unreal. And that's the moment where I'm watching this and I'm like, this has to be scripted. Like the fact that we picked this for the podcast is unbelievable. Uh, And Jack, like they, they almost like stopped the broadcast. Like Jack comes up to him. They have like a whole banter back and forth about like, what the fuck was that? And like, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And he's like, no, like seriously, what the fuck was that? Um, like it, it was unbelievable. I mean, Jack's on the front and's got a feeling like he's he's gonna take the lead there. And for Watson to chip in, um, I mean, it, it's you know foreshadowing to things to come earlier. But like, he can't play any better on this front nine. Yeah, no, it absolutely not. And. And just for a little context for everybody, you know, this is, you know, Pebble Beach is where Tom Watson made that iconic chip in birdie on the 17th hole that basically helped him beat Nicholas in 82. And yep. so, like, as soon as, like, he makes it in this match, like, they, like, go to the audio from Jack Nicholas, and you just hear him like, every time I play with you, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so And then I think uh, Jack Whitaker and Dave Marr come in. And they, they see Tom, like, doing, like, a little shimmy kind of action after he makes it. And, you know, being the midwest, like, I think I think it must have been Jack Whitaker. I, I don't think it was Dave Mars. Like, and look at that, Tom, doing the old Kansas City shuffle after his chipping. <laughs> I'm just fucking losing it. I'm just like, God, these guys are absolutely crushing it right now. Incredible. And then on top of that, as, as if Tom Watson's chipping for birdie on eight to put him to four under through eight isn't awesome enough, they go to, like, an interview where Dave Mars interviewing you know, Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson after the whole kind of talking about it. And I, I don't think we mentioned it before in when Dave Mars introduced, isn't he in a beautiful like turtleneck and like a nice blazer? Yep. He's got the blazer turtle combo wardrobe change. Switch oh, yeah. it. Comes in, comes in after the eighth hole in an absolutely pristine cardigan. Uh, and yep. it's just looking incredible. He's all smiles and he, a different turtleneck. Yes. And a different turtleneck. Thank you. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> absolutely insane incredible choice by dave marr and dude he's so jacked on top off tom watson's chip in it's incredible and at that point it's weird because like the conversation between jack and tom kind of feels a little bit forced and i think because like at this point they're both kind of like i'm kind of like playing like i sort of want to win right now right like they're kind of like i'm not really sure like as awesome as dave marr is like i'm I'm not sure i want it like 
I'm going to smile for the camera, but I, I kind of want to go back and like play some fucking golf right now. Yeah. Uh, and so, which is uh, incredible. Um, also, the the flyover for the ninth hole is great. Uh, they give it a little good history about the ninth hole and the strategy and stuff like that. And by the way, on the ninth hole is when they flash to uh, Tom Watson's wife, who was there uh, watching. And I have in my notes, uh, Tom Watson's wife, Linda, is absolutely crushing the wealthy, vogue, white woman look that was very predominant in the mid-1990s. Nice. Yeah, she absolutely just... Yeah, I think my notes were dominated by Dave Mars' changing of turtleneck and, and cardigan. Yeah. Um, I, I think that just took me away from yeah. many and all things happening, but um, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. What's funny is that for my notes for the ninth hole, I have zero notes that have anything to do with the golf. It all has to do with Tom's wife, Linda, and Dave Marr. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Watson, Watson blows it 30 yards past Jack, uh, just barely misses, and they finish 33-32 on the front. Like, this could – Shell has to be just blowing – Dreaming their pants, dude. Right now. Like, this couldn't be going any better no, for them. No, this, this is the absolute best-case scenario. Like, these guys are just crushing. And the thing is, the party doesn't stop after hole nine. Like, Not even close. Hole, hole 10, which is just as difficult. I would say maybe even more difficult than number nine. What are like the hardest golf holes on the West Coast? Uh, Tom absolutely just destroys his drive off the tee, just pumps one down there. Um, and also, I have a little note here that I'm really starting to notice the crowd at this point. Like for an event like this, having just like the old school, like obviously no ropes, just having like 100 people following these guys around like closely, it's so perfect for this broadcast. Yeah. Like the crowd, the size of the crowd, and the way they're watching us sing, it's just perfect. Um, all I all I have in my notes here is unbelievable. Both of these dudes make birdie again. Like again, I I, I don't I don't have any other notes for the hole, so maybe maybe you want to take how it happened. But like it's it's just it's crazy. They both birdied the tenth hole. Tom Watson so, is five under. So I do I do have some notes here and. I mean, the fact that Tom literally—I don't, I don't think he could be playing much better. He's only up by a stroke. Uh, like, is that wearing on him at all? Who knows? Um, Jack rips one down the middle and rips his sweater off, uh, and he's sporting now a fire polo Dude, vest combo. Thank you. That, that was—I have it in my notes there. That polo shirt that Jack is wearing, where, like, can we recreate that Fine. and sell it? That—that that is a million-dollar idea. Absolutely fire. So Jack in the fire polo vest combo puts his second shot to five feet. Then, and I'm surprised that you didn't have this Kyle. Cause I have it all in caps. <laughs> Tom hits Nicholas's ball on the green. And I have, are you fucking, fucking kidding incredible. me? I never heard about this before. <laughs> they go birdie birdie. So there's a potentially a backstopping controversy here. Oh, obviously. And, yes. Got, got, can't, can't go a, a nice shell one world of golf without a backstop controversy. And I have birdie birdie and wonderful world of golf could not have scripted this any better. Like you, you nailed it. These guys are, are unbelievable. I mean, they're now what, five and four under through 10. Like we're, we're at the point where they're going to break the course record. Like they're going to, we're on 59 watch. It's dude, like the thing is, and the way that you're watching like Tom Watson hit the ball, it seems completely inconceivable that he posts a number any higher than 63. Like it's, oh, it, yeah. it literally seems impossible. 
No, he he can't miss. Like the guy, the guy is, and he's chipping out from the shit and and holding out. Like he it's he can't miss. Yeah, it, it's absolutely incredible. And unfortunately, this is basically where the Tom Watson show sadly <laughs> comes to a little bit of an end. Uh, yeah. I I don't if I'm if I'm looking at my notes correctly. Unfortunately, I don't think Tom makes another birdie after ten. I think I think you're right. I think it's uh so. They skip a couple holes. I mean, like, you know, to to kind of give the the listeners a sneak peek, um, the real excitement of the round kind of kind of dies here, with yeah. the exception of a couple shots. Um, this is really like through this period. If you're expecting this to continue, like it doesn't. And the, so what's crazy though is like I, I'm exactly like you through ten holes. I just the idea of them not both setting the course record seems impossible it, it just seems like it's a foregone conclusion that they're both going to come in and be like yeah you know i just played a better round of golf than anybody here ever has in history no big deal that's what when I do. we were when we were talking about picking one and i was like oh like what about this watson nicholas at pebble and i started watching it and i got 30 minutes through i'm like firing you text like kyle this is the <laughs> believable <laughs> round of golf i've ever seen like we have to do this one this is and yeah, it, it comes back to reality a little bit, but there's definitely still some fireworks. Oh, for sure. And, uh, and we'll get to those here. Right? So number 11, they actually skip, I think, tee shots. And I don't even yeah. remember if they showed the uh, the approach shots. I think they showed, they might have showed the approach shots on 11. Basically, I just have in my notes that Tom Watson makes the first bogey of the day between either competitor with an unbelievably sloppy missed four-footer on the low side. Yeah. Not great. For a guy that I thought literally could do no wrong just 90 seconds ago in this broadcast, he comes back and he just slaps me in the face with a really low side missed. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, yeah. It, it would have been one thing if it was a jack miss, what we were talking about earlier, where you know, it misses yeah. three inches by the whole high three, side. No, no. Uh, yeah. This is sloppy, low side, you know, less than five feet. Not, not good for Tom. And unfortunately, I think that was um, a sign of things maybe to come. Uh, over but the back I, nine, that gets tied at four hundred. Right, exactly. So it's it's shitty it's bogey to be four hundred. Yeah, it's anybody's match through the next seven. <laughs> uh, it's incredible. He, he, a shitty bogey to go to only four under par through eleven. Yeah, so good. Um, so we obviously talked about the Tom Watson shot, uh, the chipping on eight. Uh, number twelve is where I think another candidate for shot of the day has to be happening. Yeah. I would I would say that this is this probably probably seals the deal for shot of the day. Yeah, so Jack, you know, Tom Watson having made bogey on 11, Jack has the honor on 12. Hits 3 iron. Um wait, I, Oh shoot, I'm losing my notes. Where where did he hit that 3 iron to? Uh he hits it to about um, 3 centimeters. Oh, that's right. Okay, I, I see my notes again. Hits it to all capital letters to 1 fucking inch away from the hole. <laughs> Yeah, fact, and, that's, and, and that's, one's actually too much because I think part of the ball's hanging over the cup. That's with a three iron from two oh four. Dude, it's so baller. It's so incredibly baller. And uh, how about how about the fact that he spikes the club afterwards? Yeah, he doesn't even think it's a good shot. He he hits it, watches it roll down there, and then throws the club down and is like, how does that not go in? And it's like, God. Like Tom Watson has to be so shook at that point, yes. right? Because he gives one back. They're now tied. And then he has maybe the greatest of all time at that time, put it to 
inside of an inch. Basically, like it could, like if it were any closer to the hole, it would have been hole in one. Like that, that, that's how close it is. And again, before that last hole on eleven, Tom couldn't be playing any better. No, like it's crazy and how fast it shifted. Shooter. It's crazy. Like the, the, it happened like that. Like yep. the momentum, immediate change. And that's the thing. Tom Watson hits a okay shot. Like he he says it's not great, but he hits a shot to kind of like you know center right of the green. You know, two yep. putts for his par. But like Jack has like you know the tappiest of all tappins. And again, Dave Marr reaching into his bag here. <laughs> You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, Jack like gets up there, someone takes out the pin, and he just for shits and giggles, he's like lining up his like one centimeter putt, yeah. and he just heard Dave Martin broadcast like, "Oh, he's having a little fun today." Yeah. <laughs> so good. Dave, oh, you dog. God, Dave, you dog. He's so good. Uh, I like how after the twelfth hole, they just mentioned Jack and Tom both bogey the thirteenth hole, yeah. so we're gonna skip, skip it. Skip thirteen. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. Oh, they both make bogeys. Yeah, they, we. That we do not need to watch that. Um, and then my, my notes for holes thirteen through fifteen are a little sparse. What 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 do you got for hole thirteen or hole fourteen, the par five up here? So light. I have uh, Watson barely misses his putt from the fringe on the high side. Nicholas bangs in a ten footer for par to stay up one on fourteen. Yep, yep, that makes perfect sense. And then uh, hole fifteen, the par four, coming 15, back I think down. They skipped right. I think they skipped 15 as well. That must be why my notes are so light. <laughs> At this point, they're like, fuck, we're getting pretty close to that. Out. We have so many kick-ass graphics packages in yeah. the first 40 minutes of this broadcast. They're like, we kind of got to wrap this bitch up, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we got we to get to the end of this thing because we have had so much good shit going on in the first 40 minutes. Uh, dude, and then, so they get to hole 16. You know, par 4, we have three holes left. And again, I already said it for hole 12, but Dave, Dave Marr reaching even further into that incredible bag of tricks that he has as the flyover starting to like do the whole preview. Dave Marr with the, the like one of the lines of the day. And now we get to the 16th hole and what a nice golf hole it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nobody I, else can get away with that. It's so good. I mean, and we're not even to Dave on 17. We're, I'm jumping ahead, but Please. that is. No, that is, I, ha- I have it in here too. It's so good. It's so, so good. So 16, I do have uh, as a nomination for our worst shot award. Um, the missed you know, putt. I, I think yeah, the missed putt. I think they skim over like kind of the the beginning of the hole. Tom misses his second short. Chunkin runs it, barely misses the hole. Jack taps in for par, and Tom misses m- maybe a three footer. Yeah, I like. What, what's crazy is that he actually. Uh, one more time he, after a second shot he's off the green in another crazy just terrible lie a huge yep. furled terrible rough and hits another brilliant chip shot to like just a couple feet away yeah like yeah almost makes it yeah oh yeah exactly almost makes it and then just that that that's you see when you know it's a putt that's short enough where guys like you and i are like mm, I, yeah i don't know that like the, you guys know like you good. and I would have been like, I would have picked that up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the I would thing have is, given that to the other guy and walked off. Is that the point of the match where you kind of think, I think Tom's fucked. Like I, I don't think That's, Tom, I don't think Tom can win this now. A hundred. I mean, he goes down two after sixteen, With where it's play. like you couldn't, you couldn't have played any better. You kind of stumbled, but you're still right there, and you're ten years younger. Um to to give one away from three feet and like three feet may be generous like it, it could have been inside of that um that was just 
inexcusable. Yeah. And that's one that's one he's you know you and I would be thinking about for for a couple weeks. Yes, that is a hundred percent hundred percent the case. Um, so Tom's two down, you know, with two to go after sixteen. We get to hole seventeen. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have Jack hitting a one iron like a boss from two twenty two, and then I just have notes on Dave Marr. <laughs> I, I, mean, I have my starting notes are are Dave Marr in caps going through the highlight package of each of them and their epic U.S. Open moments like on that hole. Um, so yeah, we're we're on the same page there. Do, do you have in your notes for hole seventeen? Dave Marr annihilates Tom Watson. <laughs> talking, so I, I may go through. I try. May, I may try to bring the audio in for this one. But you know, talking about Jack's uh, win in the nineteen seventy two Open, uh, Dave Marr did, makes a little crack about the guy that Nicholas beat out. You know, who finished in second place, and then immediately turns to Tom Watson and into the microphone says, "Well, speaking of second place, <laughs> and, then, and then puts a microphone in Tom Watson's face and the only." Oh, the, o- the only note I have is Tom Watson annihilated by Dave Marr. <laughs> yeah, if Tom wasn't done after the missed putt on 16, that's it. Dave, 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 Dave finished the job. Up him and buried him. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely incredible. I, that's like I don't even have a note on what they actually did on 17. I, it's it's just all Jack hitting a one iron and Dave Marr just crushing. Yeah, I have their their highlights. They has you know Jack's one iron and and Tom's chip in. And then my note is tee shots weren't nearly as good as the highlights. Um, Watson has a short putt uh, to pull within one after Jack leaves the putt on the front edge, drains it. So we're we're back within one going into eighteen. I you know considering Jack hadn't missed a putt short all day was that a little bit for the crowd? Who knows? But it might, it might have been an exhibition match like this. Is I mean, granted. There's a hundred thousand bucks on the line here, so maybe not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess what fifty thousand bucks on the line, right? Because the second place gets fifty. Right, hundred and fifty thousand dollars purse for next. Like, do you think the guys nowadays would be enticed enough by that kind of money to actually go do it still, or do you think they'd have to up the purse if they were going to do this again? I think they'd probably have to maybe put another zero behind there. <laughs> oh, God, Jesus, that's that's a lot of money. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, okay, so we go to eighteen. Let's wrap. Let's wrap the roundup here, uh, Mr. Ferdig. So, we're, right. by the way, I I feel like I could go back and redo one through eighteen all over again right now. Just, oh, yeah. it, this has been exhilarating. By the way, I love the fact that right now the breakdown is actually longer than the broadcast itself. I, I was I was gonna say we that. are crushing like, it. We're we're gonna be longer, maybe double by the amount of time that that it's we'll so be good. Yes. Good for us. Yeah, I know we're 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 doing the right thing here. This this is what the people need. Um, so let's see here. Hole number eighteen. Both dudes hit three wood off the tee, um, then hit four irons for their second shots, and they both still have hundred and ten yards in for their third. One oh nine mono e mono is what I have. Incredible, absolutely incredible. Like a, a true three shot par five. That does does, does anything under six hundred fifty yards like that exist nowadays? No, I don't no, think. Okay. So. No, and okay. it's. And it's so nice for them to be able to walk down and like have a little banter back and forth. Like they're kind of, you know, shooting the shit and, and giving each other. And Jack knows that he's got it in the back, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're one Oh nine in and you're given a stroke to the greatest of all time at that time. Like it's over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what the other notes that I have here are 
where where did that grandstand come from? Like uh, the the crowd was like such a nice, you know, like you know, quaint size, like a hundred people following around, and all of a sudden they get to eighteen, and there's just a huge grandstand full of people. I'm like, where the hell do these people come from? Yeah, I, that, that 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 one threw me off a little bit. Um, Jack two putts from ten feet for a par and the win felt, felt yeah. a little anticlimactic. Yeah, Tom Tom misses. They both miss. It's yeah, it's it is a. Li- I mean, just considering how they played in the first, like, yeah, 12 like goals, it, it, 10 goals. If you only have 40 minutes and you can't watch the full broadcast, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, you're going to be fine because, like, holes yeah. 1 through 10 are such a light show. I mean, watch it watch it through 12. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, good, 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 well said. And I think, I think you're good. Yeah, well said. And so, you know, uh, any other notes on 18 before before I jump into our boy Dave? That's it. It's all about Dave. It's now. all about Dave. Like Dave, it cuts to Dave interviewing the players afterwards. The cardigan is gone. He's got the he's got the the really nice sports coat slash blazer back on for the trophy presentation. Uh, just an absolutely slick decision on Dave Mar's part. Dave Mar is couldn't be more slick in this entire entire process. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the very last you know category that we go over uh, in you know, in this is kind of like who won the broadcast. I, I it's still going to be the last thing we talk about, but I'm pretty sure that both you and I and everybody listening to this podcast is pretty confident who won this event today. Dave won. Dave, Dave I'm not going to wait till last. Dave Marr, you are the winner. I know Jack won. No, no. Dave Marr, you are the winner. May you rest in peace, my friend. That incredible, absolutely incredible okay. performance by Dave Marr. Cheers um, to you, Dave just incredible so let's let's get the categories man so we talked about it a little bit to you from from this whole thing what what do you think is age the best so i have three uh yep okay. i have pebble yes which we kind of talked about already mm-hmm. um and i think we've we've kind of touched on all of these a little bit but i have jack's intimidation factor even at age 55 yes like giving kind of Throwing throwing those little little ribs out throughout, um, and then I have like the the commercials or the graphics package um, after five, seven, sixteen. The interludes with my man Dave Marr, um, the background on Pebble and Samuel Moore's, Bing Crosby and the Clam Bake, the highlights on seventeen, and seeing both of them like at the peak of their powers. Like those were, I think, like couldn't have couldn't have gone better and will age forever. Yes. And uh, I actually agree with you on all fronts. The only one that I had to add is actually kind of in the same lines as your last one is the opening monologue is also just incredible. Like the way that Jack Whitaker brings you into this thing, uh, you know, it's yeah. it, it just absolutely just incredible. Like I, I would say, you know, Jack Whitaker and like basically Jack Whitaker S golf essays is kind of what I would also say. Ages. I, yeah. If, if we have to pick one, is it possible? Is is there one thing that you know that stands out above all else that aged the best? It's got to be Pebble, or it's got to be a Jack Whitaker. You know, yeah, no, I, I, I would say Jack Whitaker. Okay, all right, I like that. Which, by the way, also didn't know this until I was researching this. Did you know Jack Whitaker didn't pass away until late last year? He he passed away in August of 2019 at the ripe age of 95. Good for him. Yeah. I- that's a life well lived, and I'm sure a guy like him lived it to the fullest. Absolutely. I mean, again, the human condition was his beat, 
and the written word was his instrument, according to Brett <laughs> Musburger. I mean, how, how how could he not be how could he not be aging the best? It's incredible. Um, what's aged the worst? I have in my notes, honestly, very little. The only one I have for what's aged the worst is the two hundred and twenty-five dollar green fee at Pebble. It makes me a little bummed out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's. Uh, I'll agree with you on that. That's that's fair. But otherwise, I mean, everything was great. Yeah. Also, we kind of forgot for what's aged the best. Some people would say what's aged the worst, but again, that polo that Jack was rocking. I, I'm not sure which category it belongs in, but it belongs in one of them. No, the the fits were fire. Yeah, absolute Cross- fire. Or- uh, let's see the KJ Louie Award. KJ Choi, who, as you reminded me, was one of how many players to make an eagle on number eleven at Augusta? Three players ever to eagle eleven at Augusta, uh, including KJ Choi, and then of course Louis Eustazen with that sultry albatross two on number two at Augusta. Uh, just you know, a few years ago. So we're we're calling this the KJ Louie Award, which is just the shot of the day, the absolute best golf shot we saw. As we talked about, it, it's got to be between Tom Watson's chip-in on 8 and Jack's near ace on 12. I'm actually going to throw this one to you, man. In your opinion, which one do you think was the better golf shot? So I think under the circumstances, originally I had Tom's chip. Just yes. because I think, I guess from a difficulty standpoint, like, I don't know. I mean, who am I to say like a a 204 yard three iron to less than an inch is easy. Um, but the chip that Tom had on eight looked so tough. Um, but I think I'll have to defer just from the, the pressure that was involved to Jack shot on 12, but a close one too. And it's, it's fitting to have both of them have an opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. I think just like, like I said, just because of the, impact that Jack's shot had on the match and how it completely turned the match on its head and went, you know, just a whole and a half earlier, Tom Watson completely in control and all of a sudden just Jack just kicks him out of the car and just sits down in the driver's seat. Um, Yeah, he's just absolutely crushing it. So uh, let's see here. Let's go on to our next award. Okay, so the next one we have is, I, I tentatively have it named the Augusta Shark Award and, you know, uh, to pay tribute to Greg Norman's second shot on the 18th hole of the 1986 Masters, uh, which has to be one of the, just the single worst golf shots I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I, I think we, I think we said it. It has to be Tom's missed like two and a half footer on 16, right? 100. percent It's. I mean, he just absolutely gives away an opportunity for this to like remain interesting. I mean, it's it's still interesting, but like. You he keeps that if he drains that putt, it's you know there there's a one stroke difference going into seventeen and, and it's a totally different story coming down the stretch. I really think that he Jack's you know, whether it be his mind games or or just his superiority, um, it just he really just walks away with it there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I could and not like agree what more. a just what a bad putt. It's a terrible putt. I know for how well he'd been playing the whole day. It's just it's sad to see. Like, come on, man. I just don't know how a guy that good at golf. I just don't expect to see putts like that. No, you don't. It's it's it was a real bummer. That was that was the one. If I could go back and change one thing, and and if we were to change this award to like the magic wand award, 
um, that would be the the change, right? Is like yeah. if Tom makes that, then it's a totally a different story, and and it makes seventeen and eighteen much more interesting. Yeah, could could not agree more. Um, let's see here. Any good unintentional uh, comedy moments like that were just hilarious? That I'm not sure they were supposed to be hilarious, but it ended up being fantastic. You know, I didn't, I didn't really think so. I mean, you could you could probably go to to any of the comments by Dave. That's that's exactly yeah. what I have. I have the comment before the round starts of Pinnacle of my career, you know, just uh especially against my friend Mr. Nicholas here and Dave Marr just turning. <laughs> well, I'm sure Jack will never forget that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think Dave is really just the star of the show, the bell of the ball if you will. He is. He absolutely um, is. Couldn't couldn't have couldn't have had a better guy going through the color commentary. Yeah, which I mean, which it, since we're already talking about Dave, we might as well just go into the the 2000 Tiger Award. Is anybody in this in this broad, the broadcast or player? Is anybody that we see or hear at the peak of their powers during this? It has to be Dave Marr. It has to be Dave. It, which is crazy because like the guy won the 1965 PGA Championship. So I think it, in one aspect you could say it's not really like the peak of his powers per se, but like, I can't imagine Dave being, and I can't imagine any human being cooler than Dave Marr in this broadcast. He was, yeah. I mean, we've, we're, we may be, you know, president and vice president of the Dave Marr fan club at this point, but he I'm was in. so cool. I'll be sending out flyers to prospective members tomorrow. Yeah. It, no, he, he was, he was incredible. Yeah. D- Dave Marr, 2000 Tiger award winner. Absolutely. Um, the Stephen Ames Emasculation Award. Was there a moment or an event within the broadcast where somebody was shown up so bad that it just made him look like just a silly, silly, just little crippled, crippled person? You know, I, I, to me, it was kind of, again, the Dave Mar. Co- not... This is turning into the Dave Marr podcast, which again is not the worst thing in the world, but no, it, 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 it should be because Dave Marr deserves a lot of credit for he, he absolutely how does. good of a job he did. <laughs> um, I, I for how good both guys played, given Tom's not collapse, considering he shot what sixty nine, um, but just his. I I couldn't think of anything else besides like one of Dave's comments. Yeah, I mean, Dave, like I, it goes by. We just talked about like you know Dave's comment on like seventeen, right? Where they're talking about you know the old like holes or whatever. And again, I, I just said it, but yeah, ah uh, uh, yes, yeah. Remember Nicholas? Yeah, Jack, you beat that guy. Speaking of second place, hi Tom. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. That's got to be the most emasculating moment. Place, I mean, either that or just like the missed putt on sixteen is pretty is pretty awful. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot a lot of these categories that we have here at the end relate to like Tom's missed putt at sixteen and Dave's just overall dominance. Just Dave's the- absolute dominance. And uh, again, last one: who won the event? We are, we already talked about it. Dave Marr, um, abs- hashtag legend. Dave Marr. Yeah, um, and I think I think Jack, you know, kind of asserting his dominance again being 10 years older than tom and just seeming like he knew the whole time that he had tom exactly where he wanted him even though it looked like tom really couldn't have played any better through those first you know 10 12 holes Mm -hmm. um and i think that was it right and like comparing that to some of the ways that Tiger dominated the field and, and they said Tiger had the ability not only to will his putts in, but to 
to make other guys miss yes at those times mm-hmm. um you know maybe it's maybe it's similar to that and um i don't know i mean i mean jack was you know obviously is jack is jack and and is um you know i'll go out on a limb and say the second greatest of all time um but he what what he did there and and to watch him kind of on the tail end of of his prime but to still be able to go out and and take a guy 10 years younger than him um and just look so in control all the time was really cool to watch yeah it's incredible i it just overall man this is like just an i think it was ultimate an hour and three minutes i think is what like the total broadcast it's just it is 63 minutes of just joyful entertainment like it just i had an ear-to-ear smile on my face pretty much throughout this this broadcast same man it's just uh just it's delightful man it's a great rewatch anybody going through you know quarantine or just sitting at home looking for some you know some truly beautifully nostalgic golf this is uh this this is fantastic this is so good uh i think we did a great job here man for an hour-long broadcast we got about an hour and uh 35 minute pre-game or post-game show that sounds like us, Kyle. God, we're just crushing it. I, I how do the people at Banadoons put up with us in the bars <laughs> at, at, after our rounds of golf? I, I don't, I don't know how it happens. I, I don't know how I'm, they do it. I'm still talking about my '79 at Banadoons two years ago. So uh, that was a hell of a round of golf, by the way. And and you as well. I got to tell you, when we get done with this, uh, you know, when we stop, you know, hit the uh, stop recording button. Maybe we should talk a little bit more about that '79 because it was a really uh, impressive round of golf. Maybe we should. We can run it. We can run it back shot by shot. I like that. I like that a lot. If only, if only we had Dave Marr there to comment on. Oh it. gosh, damn it! I, again, I can only assume that Dave Marr is residing somewhere, you know, in the heavens above us right now, and I hope he's looking down on us and he he just sees how much a couple of really incredibly losery, dorky, like you know, <laughs> golf nerds in their early thirties are just completely awestruck by just his sheer awesomeness. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he would appreciate it. Yeah, I I certainly hope so. Dave, just you are the man. Bravo to you, sir. Oh, incredible, Dave Marr. You have won the first episode of the Golf Rewatch Party. Incredible, uh, Mr. Ferdig. Any any parting thoughts uh, for for me and and for our lovely listeners before we bid them adieu? That's it, Kyle. I mean, when can we do this again, man? Let's can we shoot for like next week? Let's do it. Let's let's just let's just dial another one up for next week and let's bring it right back. We we were talking before this round, and I was looking through Shell Shell's Wonderful World of Golf's Wikipedia page. Shout out to Wikipedia. Uh, there's <laughs> there's shouts. a lot of really good opportunities for us to 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 comment on some really cool events here. So we'll have to dig into some and and figure out who our winner is. But I think we got some some real good candidates here, and I'm excited to to talk through these with you look at that he's teasing the next episode before we even have it locked up that 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 right there ladies and gentlemen that is top-notch radio podcast hosting my man the, the oh, incredible you're like uh you're like the mike greenberg or uh you know the, <laughs> <laughs> the colin cowherd of uh of niche golf podcasting incredible and next on first take did gary player blow it against trevino in st augustine <laughs> what place was Tom Watson and according to Dave Marr next on the <laughs> Golf Rewatch Party. Uh, just it's so good. Uh, Andy, my friend, thank you so much, man. This is fucking awesome. I, I, I'm already stoked to do it again. 
And not only that, I'm really excited to actually play golf with you once the world goes back to normal, hopefully, in the next couple of years. It's going to well, be awesome. Good, man. Fingers crossed, and we'll be we'll be at the Sheep Ranch in no time. Oh, I love it, man. Absolutely love it. All right, Andy, be well, brother. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate, Appreciate you, buddy. All right. Later, brother. See ya. Bam. And that's it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the very first episode of the Golf Rewatch Party. Um, I mean, if you're still listening, I can only imagine that you either you either really liked it or it just was so ridiculous you just couldn't stop listening. Uh, either way, I thank you guys for doing so. Uh, excited to do another one of these uh, with Andy. I got one with Jess kind of uh, in the pipeline as well. So hopefully these will uh, provide everybody listening with some, uh, some, fun, some fun golf talk as uh, we continue to deal with um social social distancing measures and the quarantine and and everything else going on so with that everybody thank you so much if you haven't uh you know already please uh, uh make a five dollar donation to glenn eagles and the band and caddy fund by ordering volume 23 of pacific coast golf guide magazine on golfguide.net that would be awesome and besides that i hope you all have a wonderful week a wonderful month i hope you guys are staying safe and being well and until next time adios amigos